Greetings from San Francisco, which is arguably the culinary capital of America, at least in my books. But as much as this place is known for its unique and eclectic cuisine based on local, fresh and sustainable ingredients, I find that it's really hard to find a decent Indian restaurant. The Bay Area is filled with Indian dives, those that cater curries that are watered down to suit the American palate. But something that's flavorful, unique and authentic, well that's historically been a problem here. There are very few chefs in the Bay Area who have really transformed the understanding of Indian cuisine to something that is beyond naan and curry. Today on Asian Threads, I talk with two of them, Anjan Mitra, the owner of Dosa in San Francisco, and Preeti Mistri, chef and owner of Juhu Beach Club in Oakland. Asian Threads. Asian Threads. Spinning the tales of Asian communities and cultures, their personal accounts, their history, and their literature. This program is sponsored by the Wing Foundation. Arrived in the U.S. as a young 18-year-old student, Anjan has always sought to recreate the wonderfully aromatic and complex flavors of his mother's Bengali cooking. A good Indian son, he spent approximately 19 years in a high-tech career in Silicon Valley, working at companies such as Sun Microsystems and Netscape. But after all of this, he pursued an entirely new entrepreneurial path as a restaurateur, with a cuisine that he believed was underrepresented in the USA. He and his wife, Emily, were inspired to create and present South Indian cuisine in a new way in San Francisco. So they opened a very successful restaurant called Dosa. It rapidly became one of the top restaurants in the Bay Area as soon as it opened in December 2005. But Anjan doesn't come from a South Indian family. He grew up in a very Bengali household in Bombay. So I asked him then how he was inspired by South Indian food. You know, Bombay has a huge South Indian community. You know, it's got about, um, uh, you know, maybe a couple of million, maybe more South Indians. So, you know, it's, um, you know, Matunga is a very large uh, South Indian community. I grew up with, you know, my best friend in school being South Indian, my, you know, you know, my professors, my teachers, you know, my, you know, uh, just, you know, women that I hung out with were, were South Indian. So, you know, I, I would go to people's houses and eat dosas, you know. Um, of course, mate, there's a lot of dosa available in Bombay, too. It's a very, it's a very sort of cosmopolitan city when it comes to uh, Indian cultures, you know. And so, so I always felt like I knew the food very well, you know. But when we opened the restaurant, of course, you know, like Emily was, was vegetarian and she gravitated to that food because it's, it's just delicious, you know, vegetarian food, you know. And, um, so eventually when we opened the restaurant, you know, we realized that we had to bring someone on, you know. And so we definitely hired a chef uh, who was South Indian. 
uh, you know, he's taking a sabbatical right now. He's in India. He's hanging out with his family. But, um, you know, he, he essentially helped us with that initial push. You know, he had the experience and really had that deep, in-depth knowledge of, you know, how to make it, you know, the dosa batter properly, the chutneys. Of course, I mean, we actually auditioned a lot of different chefs. And I, and the reason we picked him is because he just made the perfect bowl of samba. You know, he just had the right combination of the right intensity, the right balance, you know. And so, so we picked him because of the way he made samba, you know. And uh, to me, that's kind of the heart and soul of, you know, good South Indian food, knowing how to make good samba. You know, everyone, everyone thinks it's, you know, it's... It's just about the dosa batter, or, you know, making the dosa. And I think it's all, it's everything, you know. And then for me, the heart and soul of the food is really the summer, you know, so. First of all, to a northern Indian who's also grown up in Bombay, yeah. you know, I'm thinking of the fermentation and the gunpowder masala and all this. Why is it that, as far as you're concerned, the samba is the heart of the meal? Well, because I, f I feel like, you know, I feel like it's the sauce, you know, I mean, you know, the, I mean, yes, my, I mean, don't get me wrong, like the, the, the batter is very important, you know, and when we, when we first opened the restaurant, you know, we realized that, you know, in India, you can ferment, ferment it for like, you know, 15, 16 hours if it's really, really hot weather and humid weather and ferments much more quickly. In San Francisco, it was cold and dry, you know, so we had to literally ferment it for like 24, 26 hours the first time. You know, so the fermentation is important, very important. You know, the right proportions are important, the right amount of sourness is important. But once you get that right, a lot of people can get that right, I think, you know. But I think the sambar, you know, just doing the sambar correctly, I think, it's, it's the sauce of the food, you know. Like, you know, I feel like with any dish, you know, you, you've got, you know, you've got many different components, but if the sauce falls flat, you know, you lose the balance, I think, you know. Because the coconut chutney is very important, too, you know. But I think the sambar, the coconut chutney, and then we serve a tomato chutney, too, you know. Um, all that needs to come together correctly. And then, of course, the dosa has to be made correctly, you know, the right amount of softness, the right amount of crispiness, you know. It shouldn't be too too crisp like a pop-art. It shouldn't be too soft, you know, like a, like a romali roti. You know, it's got to be a balance, you know, between everything. And um, and so, you know, I mean, obviously, it's a matter, a matter of personal preference. But, you know, for me, the sambar had to be right, you know. And I feel a lot of people could get the dosa batter right. Uh, which is obviously not true, but like you know, but a lot of South Indian. But I feel like the samba had to be perfect. Yeah, you know, one of the mainstays at Dosa is an age-old South Indian Ayurvedic dish called rasam. Paul Raj, one of their executive chefs, told me more. It's like my mom's recipe, so that was really everyone make the rasam at home in South India. It's like a part of the meal and the lunch, and that's one of the it's basic recipe. But people love it, and it's like you can call it as an Ayurvedic soup. What is that? An Ayurvedic soup called rasam. What does that mean? Actually, this has like uh, masala, like cumin, coriander, and peppercorns. We make a blend out of it. Then it's like a we saute with a little bit of uh, garlic, mustard seeds, and red chilies, and a little bit of boiled lentils and add a little bit of tomatoes and tamarind and cilantro, it, which is good for your fever, like body ache, like that. And so this, whenever I'm sick, I'll be having rasam to get cure. So. But you guys have rasam every day, no? So you aren't sick every day. Uh, thing is, sometimes I get tired of the rasam, you know, same mm -hmm. cooking. But uh, yeah, if I'm really sick, I'll tell to my mom to make really spicy rasam with peppercorn spicy. So particularly sore throat which is good for
Anjan opened up the first dosa restaurant in the Mission District of San Francisco, which has since then become the hotbed of local cuisine. In December 2005, when he opened dosa, the mission was filled with mostly Mexican taquerias. But soon that changed. We actually picked the mission location eight years ago, when you know before the mission became the hottest restaurant neighborhood in San Francisco. You know, there might have been only like one or two other restaurants that were well known in that neighborhood. You know, and those being Delfina, which is also still there, very iconic. You know, a range had just opened, I think, around the same time. Uh, but um, you know, there were no other well-known restaurants in the Mission. You know, very, very few. And now, you know, there are tons of them. Very soon after that, he and Emily opened their second dosa location on San Francisco's famed Fillmore Street. The Fillmore, we felt like, you know, this was another neighborhood that was really underserved, really undervalued, you know. And uh, so we picked the spot. We were just very, you know, we just got very lucky. We, you know, we rented it from someone who's one of our customers in Valencia, and she owned this, she owns this building. And she, just by chance, you know, told us that she was looking for a tenant. You know, and we knew the spot exactly. We thought it would be a great spot. Obviously, it's a massive spot compared to the other one. It's got about 165 seats. But we felt like we really needed to build something that kind of defined, you know, this neighborhood, defined, you know, us as a restaurant, and defined who we were. And we wanted to do interesting things around the cocktail program. We wanted to, you know, build a bar. We wanted to do cocktails that had spices in them, you know. And now everyone in the city is doing cocktails and spices in them. So we were kind of the forerunners with that, you know, using cumin and corianders and chili in our cocktails. You know, no one was doing that before. Uh, and then just having a wine program that was really kind of well-designed for Indian cuisine. You know? So we just like, wanted to do more. I mean, we just felt like there was so much more left to be told about South Indian food and about you know, the whole Indian dining experience in San Francisco. So that was kind of the reason we opened the second location. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the look feels totally different, right? This feels like, as you say, a bar, nightclub, restaurant, right. sort of depending upon what hour you hear, <laughs> all rolled into one. Well, see, so this was actually, you know, this was designed more to be, you know, kind of a glamorous Bombay restaurant. You know, as, you know you're from Bombay, you know that. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you know when, when you were growing up, you know, when you were going to go to a nice restaurant, you know, uh, you know now, now things have changed recently in the last 10 years in Bombay. But, you know, when we were growing up, you would go to a nice fancy hotel because that's where all the good restaurants were. You know, now if you go to a good restaurant in Bombay... You know, the, the decor is very modern. It's very sort of contemporary. And it might have, you know, more sort of European contemporary style. Sometimes it has a more Indian contemporary style. So we wanted to do some things that were, you know, that had elements of India in it, you know. And so the mural over here is of a temple, you know. We have, you know, these modern photographs. I'm sorry, you know, these modern photographs that are like, you know, of South Indian, of South Indian dancer. But, it, you know, it's got, you know, a very sort of uh, kind of a chic feel, the way it's pr mounted and presented, you know. So we wanted to sort of have, you know, um, then the, you know, the, the actual staircase has, you know, this pattern that's actually taken from uh, uh, a, a temple. You know, I forget where it is, but we took the small pattern, we expanded it, and we repeated it. So there are elements that are kind of, they've kind of abstracted from Indian art, you know, but also given it a very sort of modern Indian feel, you know. Um, obviously, the use of color is very big in India, you know. You know, Indians, you know, uh, as opposed to maybe like, you know, like a modern European design, Indians use, you know, have a lot of color in their, in their, just in their sort of, uh, you know, general sort of, you know, the way the way women dress is very colorful, you know, and you know the flowers are much more colorful because it's a tropical place, you know. So we wanted to bring in some color as opposed to have it very muted, you know. Uh, we just felt that that represented who we are. So we wanted to create a restaurant that we felt could be transported to Bombay. Dosa was never created around a celebrity chef but was envisioned by Anjan and Emily to pay homage to the rich diversity of southern India, which they believed was not getting the respect that it deserved.
And having lived in San Francisco for 22 years, they also wanted to make it relevant to the local culinary scene with the use of mostly local, organic, natural, seasonal and sustainable ingredients. The way I describe this restaurant is I say, I say it's, it's a very authentic Indian restaurant with a California sensibility, and I, you know, I'm, I'm totally proud of that. You know? But uh, I don't like to use the word fusion, because you know, when, when you use the word fusion, I mean, fusion is a very loaded term, you know what I mean? It could be anything, you know, and it could be, you know, then you have to go fusion of what? Is it you know, fusion of you know, Indian and French, or Indian and you know, Japanese, or Indian, you know? So, and then you know, when you live in San Francisco, you know, the whole philosophy around San Francisco food is using local using as much as organic as possible, you know, as much natural as possible, uh, seasonal, you know. So those are the things we try to follow up here, you know. So we only import, like, you know, the dry goods, you know. So we import, you know, rice and lentils and spices. We import, of course, you know, certain vegetables that are very traditionally South Indian, like, you know, the drumsticks, you know. We import, um, and we import um, coconut milk. Because you can't really find that over here, you know, and, you know, and, and, and coconut, you know. Um, so we get like you know coconut that's frozen, but it's you know it's it's fresh coconut as opposed to desiccated, you know. Because you, you know, there are no coconut trees out here, so those are the few things that we have to get from outside, you know. And the coconut comes from actually, I think, it comes from Mexico, you know. But like everything else is local, so our meat is local, our fish is local, our produce is local, you know, everything else is local, you know. Uh, but that's kind of the the sort of the the philosophy of most, like, you know, modern ethnic restaurants in, in San Francisco. Now, now, we don't hold back on the spices, you know, we don't hold back on the way we grind, you know, we make ensemble masala, we, you know, we kind of like, you know, make things spicy as they should be, as least the way we like it, you know, we actually spice them up a little bit, we think, you know, maybe even more so than you do in India, you know. Another thing is we're thinking is, you know, is that in India, if you go back now, people are doing really interesting things with the food. You know, they're they're innovating. They're like you know doing a lot of fusion stuff in India. The cuisine is is, is really changing. I think you know, and uh, and it's 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 doing that naturally because I think in India, you know, there is no well defined you know way of cooking something. So you know, my mother cooks something. Maybe a certain Bengali fish in a certain way. Her sister makes it a little differently. You know what I mean? So I'm like, there are variations in the same family from household to household. You know, so. There, there is no way to sort of actually sort of define, there is no sort of one definitive guide. So this is what Indian cooking is. So as a result, naturally, as American food, as most cuisines, it evolves. So, so we felt like if we don't evolve, you know, we're going to get stuck in this little rut, you know, from like 10 years ago. And then people are going to go, this is stale. You know what I mean? So, so we actually want to keep up with the times. We want to be fresh. We want to make, you know, make the food interesting. And we want to, you know, sort of keep part of the cuisine, keep part of the philosophy, keep part of the techniques, very Southern Indian, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I, feel, I feel very comfortable, you know. I feel very comfortable when, like, you know, Southern Indian grandmothers come in here. And, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable because I know they love the food, you know. And, you know, if they try the trumpet mushroom dosa that's not traditional, I want them to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to do that because I feel like I'm opening up something new to them, you know. But at the same time, if they want to stick with the rava masala dosa or the mysore dosa, which is very traditional, they can do that too. Another Bay Area chef who is exploring this transformation in the authenticity of Indian cuisine is Preeti Mistri, the owner of the eclectic Juhu Beach Club in Oakland, named after Mumbai's famous Juhu Beach. 
it really evokes uh, something that has this meaning for me when I think about all of the sort of yummy street foods and snacky foods that you don't get at home. And so, you know, I had had this idea to create a restaurant concept around Indian street foods, um, generally because, again, as my parents like to say, I love outside food. Um, and I was always made to sort of feel bad about that growing up. Like somehow I just always wanted to spend my parents' money instead of eating um, what was available at home. Um, but to me, it just always conjured this image. I remember driving past it and smelling the smells. And so Juhu Beach is known in Mumbai um, as a beach where there are a number of street food stalls. It's quite famous for it, as well as flying kites. And people go there and watch the sunset and build beautiful sand sculptures. And so... You know, the kites and the sand sculptures are wonderful, but what really stuck with me was the food. And it's all of the deep-fried snacky stuff that your mom doesn't make at home that you only get when you go out to places like Juhu Beach. You know, it, it's sort of like carnival food um, would be described in the United States. So um, when I was coming up with a name for the restaurant... Um, it really spoke to me. And then Juhu also is a neighborhood where a lot of Bollywood stars live as well as the neighborhood that we stay in now when we go back to visit uh, Mumbai. We normally rent a flat in that neighborhood. Preeti's background encompasses a fascinating collection of multiplicities. And you can certainly see how this has influenced her cooking. By the time she arrived in the United States as a five-year-old, she had already been in India and England and Trinidad she says that in all of these places, she never quite felt like she belonged. I felt in every single one of those places like an other of some kind, that this was a place where all of these people around me felt very much at home and that it was their place, but that it was not my place. And I think that that really, you know, has a profound effect on a five-year-old. Um, and I think that that sort of feeling continued throughout my childhood of sort of feeling outside. And in fact, I feel that in some ways um, it pushed me away from my family because I wanted to be accepted by my peers and I wanted to be, you know, one of the cool kids. And I was different and different in, you know, Ohio growing up in the 80s was not exactly that popular. And, you know, so I think that the, the Indian part of me um, was definitely something that I did not embrace the way some of my other, you know, siblings or cousins did for whatever reason. Um, and I was very critical of it and, you know, sort of wished that I was just like all the other kids. Um... At the same time, I also, you know, I love my family so much, um, most of them who live in Orlando. And what I love most is that whenever we would all get together during the holidays um, or over the summer, it was all about food. There was always so much food being cooked. The plan for the day when the whole family would talk about what was the plan, so much of it just revolved around what our meals were going to be and who was cooking what, um, where you have a group of people possibly up to 30, 40 people all getting together day after day, spending time with each other. And it was always about food and drink and merriment and, you know, dancing and having a good time and making fun of each other. And all of that sort of enjoyment was something that really uh, spoke a lot to me. 
Um, and then even more so, I, I think that, you know, when I came out of the closet um, and to my family, I think that that kind of, in addition to wanting to be accepted by my peers, sort of pushed me away um, from my extended family and this sort of part of me that is tied to being Indian um, and being a person of Indian origin. And I think that the amazing thing about this particular moment, um, coming back after cooking California cuisine for 10 years and doing all of these different things is that uh, all of these sorts of parts of my background have come together in addition to, uh, as I just said, having feelings sort of pushed away or that I needed to push myself away or pull away. Um, you know, now all these years later, my partner um, in life, who is also my partner um, with, and co-owner of the restaurant, is very much a part of my family. My parents, my whole family love her so much. She is, you know, such a big part of our lives. And at the same time, I feel that by now cooking Indian food, I've sort of come back to uh, this part of myself that always wanted to be at the center of all of the fun and the food and drink that ex always has existed in my family. The best way perhaps to describe Juhu Beach Club is that it takes high quality local ingredients and mixes them with Indian flavors. There's no nothing that's like, okay, is this dish about being Indian or is this, uh, you know, restaurant about being from Ohio or is it about being born in London? Um, it's about all of those things. And I think that all of those influences are, they're not exclusive from each other. They are all what make up who I am. There's, you know, there's influence from my parents living in Trinidad. There's a lot of dishes and certain spices that they brought and that we continue to eat um, growing up. Um, I think maybe as a kid, I just thought that they were Indian. It's, it's also uh, the East African. There's a lot of East African vegetables and dishes, uh, some, you know, cassava uh, or yuca um, and dishes like that that are specific to Gujarati Indians that, you know, lived in Africa because they started to, you know, my family embraced some of the vegetables and other dishes that they tasted when they moved to Africa. And so I think that the effect that it really has is that I, I, I do feel like I don't cook thinking that there are a lot of rules. Um, to me, there's no black and white. There's no, uh, this is what Indian cuisine is supposed to be. This is what this particular dish is supposed to taste like. And these are the ingredients that you use. You can't use this vegetable instead, etc. None of that really exists for me. I think that for me, it's really, is it delicious? Is it interesting? Um, and, you know, I find myself doing things that are probably, you know, some people might find taboo in the sense that I might make a dish that is very much Gujarati um, and then put a sauce with it that is very South Indian um, or add a vegetable that's very North American. And none of that is really taboo to me because all of it sort of makes up and uh, is part of my whole experience. And, and then that goes also into even the environment within our restaurant. Um, couple things about that. First and foremost, um, you know, a lot of people ask me why I don't have pi more pictures of Mumbai on the walls. And we do have a few Bollywood posters here and there. But by and large, the photos that I have on the walls, and these are photos that I asked for my family, um, mainly my parents, but also some aunts and uncles, to um, look for and bring to me, 
are mostly of my parents and other family members in India, but also in London and in the United States and in Trinidad. And part of that for me was really that the restaurant and the food that we cook and the expression that we are really trying to put out there is is not just about making this very specific Indian food from a particular region in India and trying to replicate it, but it's really about the journey. It's about the journey from India to now. Um, and that journey started even not just with my parents and myself moving to the United States, but it started even with my grandparents deciding to leave India and move to Africa in the 40s. And all of the decisions that they made in moving to a lot of different places that influenced their lives and the different people that they met in those places and those influences. And so I wanted the photos to really be about that journey. Like many Indian master chefs, Preeti insists on preparing her masalas or spices from scratch. There's a sort of a disconnect I think a lot of people have when it comes to Indian cuisine. They just think that these uh, masalas or spice blends are so complicated that um, you couldn't possibly make them yourself. And so I was setting out to make uh, a dish actually that's on our menu now, uh, Sloppy Little Pea, which is... uh, also known as pao bhaji, pao bhaji, um, which literally just means bread and vegetables. And I w- had all the ingredients and I was ready to make it and I realized I didn't have the masala. And this was a number of years ago, about 10 years ago. And I was kind of at a loss at first and I thought, well, how am I going to make this without the masala? At that time, I just purchased these masala blends at the Indian grocery store. And lo and behold, I looked it up in a cookbook and saw that I had all of the whole spices that I needed to make the dish at home. So I measured everything out and ground them fresh. And then we started eating. And I think two bites in, my partner and I looked at each other and we're like, oh, my God, this is so delicious. And just the flavors and the nuance that came out. And it was sort of a duh, but aha moment about the nuance um, of these spice blends and grinding everything fresh and how much it changes the flavor of a dish uh, that essentially, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, I'm a huge advocate of grinding your own spices and only buying whole spices because whole spices will keep in a cool, dark place for quite some time. But it's when you roast them and grind them that releases all their flavor. But once you've ground them, they have a very short shelf life. I would not use them beyond a week, maybe two if you were, you know, pressed, hard pressed. And so what happens is, you know, a lot of people feel like there's this quote unquote curry flavor that you get in certain Indian foods um, or at Indian restaurants. And a lot of that comes with the fact that if you grind the spices and then they sit around for weeks, months, I mean, you really have no idea when you're looking at a, a grocery store shelf how long something has been sitting there, let alone where it's been imported from. So how long the process was for it to travel here to begin with. And so You're essentially going to the farmer's market and getting all of these beautiful seasonal ingredients, getting this expensive, you know, pasture-raised chicken or what have you, and then dumping what is sawdust on top of it. And to me, it's just really sad when that happens. And I think that people think, oh, that Indian food has this sort of homogenous, quote-unquote, curry flavor. And it's so much more than that. Uh, to me, it really is, you know, if, if there's 15 different spices in a particular masala, which a lot of them there are, especially, uh, you know, garam masala, for example, um, 
You should be able to taste the nuance of all of those spices. There's no, why would we bother putting it in there if you can't taste it? When you think about what authenticity is when it comes to Indian cuisine, you've got to think about restaurants such as Dosa and Juhu Beach Club and question whether they are continuing traditions or whether in fact they've started their own. I think it's a bit of both and that's okay. Food definitely has an interesting journey. It has to change. It has to transform because eventually that's what keeps it authentic. Asian Threads. Asian Threads is sponsored by the Wing Foundation.